welcome into the Lion Truth Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Colin. It's good to be back in front of a microphone. Good to have you back. Also got our good friend, Robert. Good afternoon, everybody. And my bracket was never busted. And we've got our good friend, Brian, as well. Hey, hey, Brian Bell here. Good to be with you. Well, we got Colin back. We got Brian on. We got Robert, who I'm going to guess didn't make a bracket. Correct. <laughs> I was invited by uh, our pastor, who's a huge, uh, huge basketball fan. And uh, I think he I think Brian was on that same text and he, he sent an invite to do the bracket. And it was like the day before the tournament started. And I never, never even filled the bracket out. So technically, my, my bracket was never busted. And I I've actually, only done maybe four in my whole life. I actually forgot all about that I didn't, I didn't even remember that happening until you just said it <laughs> and and he probably feels like we rejected him somehow um by not not filling a bracket out but that's that's not the case we love our pastor yeah, he could be having some mental complex right now saying you know these guys mm-hmm. didn't even respond to me I, I always love filling out the brackets and it makes me care a little bit more like i'll pay attention uh-huh but i had such a hard i think i maybe caught three games and they were all Michigan games. I wonder why it was Michigan games. <laughs> I wonder why it was Michigan games. I I watched zero college basketball prior to the tournament. And then when the tournament started, I watched, I don't know, 10, 15 games. Nice. It was amazing. And here's the thing. My family, we hardly watch sports together. Except my son and I will watch, we'll watch football together. And my wife, she'll occasionally just sit in the room while something's on. <laughs> But uh, she does know about football because our son plays, so she knows about it. But um, and she loves basketball. This tournament, all three of us were just all over it. My wife was my wife probably watched more games than I did this year, which is a huge feat. That's surprising to me. I just I don't see Cindy as a as a basketball fan for whatever reason. Well, she loves basketball. She played she played basketball in high school. Well, growing okay. up all through high school, she played. And then she actually coached our son's team this year. Nice. So yeah. So it was it was a blast. It was it was fun. Um, you know, the Baptists and the Catholics got to play each other last night. Yeah, and, I love uh, that. Yeah, my favorite <laughs> meme was uh, you know, who who would have expected Catholics to actually beat the Baptists in something that that uh requires dunking? <laughs> it didn't happen. I did, I did watch I watched no, it didn't. I watched uh the first half of that game. Uh, you know, it's the championship game, turned it on. And uh, I didn't realize both teams were uh, number one seeds coming in. I do know – I don't keep up with basketball a lot, but I do know it's very rare. It may be only the third or fourth time in the history of the tournament that two number one seeds made it to the final game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I didn't I didn't realize both of them were, were number one seeds. And when uh, Baylor came out and just – you know, they jumped out nine nothing, nine one. You know, eleven one, and just kept pouring it on. I was like, "Wow, they're they're out here playing to win." You know, and that's the Gonzaga hadn't lost a game all year, so I mean, that's that's a big deal. There was a number one and number two team in the country since last July. So preseason polls, preseason polls had them both number one, number two since last July. Baylor was on their way to also being undefeated until COVID uh, hit them. Had it not been for that, you we could have seen the most unprecedented thing, which would have been two undefeated teams, which would have been phenomenal. Right. <laughs> you look at the last four teams who went to the final four being undefeated, the last four teams to do that was I think it was Kentucky. And Kentucky got beat in the final four. Uh gosh, who was the other? Um it was uh Indiana, I think. 
And Indiana, I think, got beat in the Final Four. No, it was uh, it was UNLV. UNLV got beat in the Final Four. And then prior to that was Indiana State back in the 70s. Mm. They got beat in the championship game. But so it was there's never there's never been a perfect season, right? It was Indiana University. It was Bobby okay. Knight coach team in the 70s. Gotcha. But it was Baylor's first national championship in basketball. It was so yeah, it was pretty it was pretty special for Baylor. I was very happy for those kids. And was, the coach was um what I liked about him, the coach was a very humble guy. You know, he was his his remarks after the game, if if anybody saw that, he was just very humble. My wife, who was pulling for Gonzaga or Gonzaga because she had them in her bracket, <laughs> she's like, "Well, I really like that coach. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad that I lost. You know, he's a really great guy. So, <laughs> so it's really good." Yeah, I haven't, I didn't watch many games. There's a couple teams that I'll, if they're in, I'll try to watch. Syracuse being one. Syracuse. My, uh, my mom's side of the family is from that area, and that was their team. You know, and. um the uh, the Friars, Providence, Providence, Providence. Providence. Yep. Because my let's see, my grandmother's ex husband's son teaches at that school. Teaches there. Yes, oh, that's cool. Yes, he is a priest at the college. And oh, okay. You've t- yeah. yes, I've talked about. Yeah, you've talked, I've talked about, about him before. Yeah. So he teaches at that college, and we've uh, for his dad's funeral. We stayed there. We got to stay on the campus. And nice. So what is a fryer? Because being from the South, it's somebody that fries fish or food or something to me. Well, there's another sport we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I know a little I, bit more about that one. I am mad. Yes. I am mad at Major League Baseball. I really am. Ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys know the story? No. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. So the state of Georgia changed their voting laws, just some some restrictions around voting. And a lot of people didn't like it. And it, because Georgia was very highly contested, um, people on the right saying it was, you know, there was fraud. There was people on the left saying that, no, it wasn't. And they, they argued about it. But Georgia's politicians, their state politicians got together after this election and they made some changes to their laws. Um, now, a lot of people are calling it voter suppression. Right. When the laws actually line up with about 35 other states. Right. And um, what what I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want even want to talk about the voter laws. What I want to talk about is Major League Baseball bending the knee to people complaining and then moving it to another state that has almost identical laws. <laughs> They've moved it today. They announced they moved it to Coors Field in Denver. And, I saw that. you know, it, it just makes no sense to me. How are you going to take it out of a city because of a state legislation laws that that doesn't affect you, Major League Baseball, has no effect on you, Major League Baseball, and you bend the knee? That just sets you up for a precedent for you to bend the knee for something else. Yep. Hmm. And then you're going to keep on and you're going to keep bending the knee until finally your knee's going to break. And then what are you going to do? You can't bend the knee like that over opinions because right. these laws and what people are arguing over is opinions. There are some people whose opinion says that the laws are wrong. They should have never made them. And there are some people's opinions who say, no, they're right. We should we should have changed how we do things. But you bend the knee because of opinions of one side. Get ready because 
you're going to be asked to bend the knee from someone from the other side. Yeah. I mean, but now, now you, you know, you said you set the precedent. So now if there's something else that comes up and, it, and it's anywhere and, and this thing didn't even involve MLB other than no. the fact that the all-star game was in Atlanta. Had nothing to do with them. So remember the last episode we talked about when you get offended by something right. that has nothing to do with you, who, who are you, who are you serving? Major League Baseball is trying to serve themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's, I mean, there's huge hypocrites in that because, you know, they're, and of course I had, uh, I had a few Twitter spats about this, this week, uh, you know, being Robert, from you Georgia, did? yeah, <laughs> go figure, you know, being from Georgia, spending most of my life there, you know, and seeing people talk bad about the state or whatever. And the main thing that I would come back to, just like when we have people who say, you know, have generalized statements is they would say something about this is voter suppression. And I would say, well, define voter suppression. And then you know, this law is whatever. And I said, instead of just repeating rhetoric or repeating your newsfeed, how about actually quoting the law? What in the law is considered voter suppression? There's nothing in it that is illegal. And like David said, it lines up with about 35 other states. Uh, in fact, uh, they were, they're saying that it's voter suppression and it restricts voter rights and limits the accessibility to the polls. When in all actuality, New York has tougher restrictions. The state of New York has tougher restriction and less accessibility, but you don't hear anything about that. And where the hypocrisy comes in with Major League Baseball is, you know, they're they're moving it because this is voter suppression, but yet they've got billions of dollars in deals with China. And last time I checked, they don't have any voting at all. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not suppressed. It, it just doesn't even exist. So there's a huge hypocrisy on it. And like you said, they've they've made themselves available to be somebody else's puppet. Yep. I thought you were going to use a different word. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know what that word is. I'll tell you that. It, it, and listen, I told myself I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about it. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's just I, – I, I don't know if I'd be so infuriated about it if I wasn't such a Braves fan. And I, I think it would be great right. for the city of Atlanta – one of the things that really gets me is though, I mean, you're going to cost the city of Atlanta an expected $100 million worth of revenue. How is that going to help? How is that going to help people in Georgia? Uh, right. You're going to, you're going to say because of a law was made by some legislators that you're going to take it out of a city who, I mean, and let's be honest, Atlanta is a democratic city. Right. So you're going to take it out of that city and punish that city. They're that just makes no sense to me. They are literally shooting themselves in the foot. Well, the governor made a good point. The governor said cutting off their nose to spite their face. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he said, you know, you're, you're moving this out of a city that it was, was expecting the revenue has been shut down from COVID, right. It's been on lockdown. A lot of people that have, you know, lost money, lost jobs, have, have been out of work, have been struggling. And like David said, this was hundreds of millions of dollars. You're talking hotel revenue, the, the snack vendors, the people working the snacks, the people that work the parking, you know, all of that parking lot revenue that comes in. And, that, and that's just the outer side of it, right? All the restaurants, all the stuff that has been shut down, that has not been open, that has been struggling. This would have been a huge economic shot in the arm for those industries. And as the governor of Georgia pointed out, you hurt MLB, hurt people who more than likely voted 
Democrat. Yes. Right. It did. From a from a Democrat standpoint. Uh, and of course, he's firing it. He's firing at the Democrat side. He's not firing it. I mean, he's firing at MLB, but you know the Democrats are supporting the move. And he said, "You're you're really hurting a ton of people who voted for you." Exactly. By by making this move, you're it, it's it's grandstanding. And again, like we talked about on the last podcast, it's really just bringing attention to yourself. Yep. If this had been closer to midseason, I, I I dare say it doesn't get moved. But because it's it's the beginning of the season, you're coming off of March Madness, you're coming off of, you know, the football, the Super Bowl, and everything else is happening. This is this is the kind of year. This is the moment in the year when nothing really happens in sports, right? Mm-hmm. March Madness is over, and baseball doesn't ramp up for a little while. It's going, but it doesn't ramp up. This is a huge attention grab for MLB. It, it has absolutely nothing to do with with voter rights in my opinion it has nothing to do with voter rights because if they were truly about equality and voter rights they wouldn't be doing billions of dollars worth of in, worth of uh deals with with china so it's my opinion i'm just gritting my teeth <laughs> i was gonna say that's all i have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and i hate this because i i don't listen people are going to have opinions both ways i think it's a it's a dangerous dangerous thing when corporations and organizations start grandstanding, and I want to call it grandstanding because you're not standing for anything. You're grandstanding to try to make yourself look better in the eyes of people. And But you're forgetting that it wasn't a landslide victory in, in the election. That was not a landslide. It was highly contested. So when you do that, you start ostracizing a great number of people and you don't know which side of those people are your fans or not. And you don't know which side of, of the line that those people tow who are going to buy your product. You just don't know that. And I'd be willing to say that America's game, which I think is not America's game. I don't think major league baseball has been America's game for many years. It started that way. But America's game, <laughs> you just picked a side. And when you did that, you're, you're going to ostracize a lot of people. Now, I'm a person who says I boycott boycotts. I don't like the boycott things. I'm not going to boycott things. I'm struggling right now because I'm a huge Braves fan. And I was already looking at tickets. Right. Thinking, okay, it's, I'm, I'm, it's back on, baby. I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going to watch the Braves. But now I'm thinking, do I really want to support Major League Baseball? And then I get torn because I go, well, I really want to support the Braves and I want to support Georgia because of what just happened to them. I want to support the people who live around there who just got it yanked out from under them, right. who depend on the revenue, who was looking at the revenue and thinking, wow, this could really help us get back, uh, get back in, in, in good uh, standing. So it's just, it's tough because now I'm going, wow, can we just play ball without the MLB on it? <laughs> I'm just I'm just so frustrated with it. it that's just ridiculous to do that to that town, it, it, to, to that city. I think it's a slap in the face to that city. And you can point the finger at their legislation all you want to, but you, Major League Baseball, slapped them in the face. You didn't have to do that. That legislation had nothing to do with you, but you made it about you. Yep. Okay. Now I'm forced. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, baseball is one of those things. I, I love the game of baseball. 
I coached it for years, and you know, I love the the intricacies of the game. Angel and I sat down for lunch today and watched. There, there were several games on. The Angels were playing, uh, so I, I watched Mike Trout hit a two run shot. It was just gorgeous. And then they come up in the uh, uh, Astros. Yeah, Astros come up in the next inning, back to back shots to to even the game up, and they were they were gorgeous, right? Just beautiful swing and I always coached hitting. So, you know, I, I love to see somebody with just a, you know, the, the mechanics when they show it in slow motion, I, I geek out because I'm watching the mechanics of the, the hands coming through and where the head of the bat is and, you know, where the, where the, the, the batter's eyes are. So I'm geeking out on all this stuff and just beautiful swings. It wasn't, they weren't cheap, you know, swings and, you know, the ball just kind of floats over the wall. It was just textbook, just gorgeous. And, and I love watching that. Now, I have a hard time watching a 162-game season. I'll admit that. But I, I do love the game. And just like with any other sport, I love the game itself. I, I love baseball. I love football. I can watch basketball, mainly because I don't have to have a long attention span because it's just back and forth. Uh, ho- <clears throat> Hockey is the same way. It might not score a lot, but it's back and forth. So I can watch it. You know, being somebody who grew up playing sports, I love the – the camaraderie that goes with it, you know, um, learning to be a team player, learning to play your role on a team, learning the other roles and how that builds for future relationships and, and going, even going into business and school and stuff later. I love how all of that works. I love the game for the game. And, and I think for a lot of us, when we tune into sports, we tune in as a kind of a getaway. As a release. Right? As a release, yeah, we're, we're we're really tuning in just to to turn our brains off, and you know, quite honestly, we act like our brains are off when we watch college football a lot. But you know, we we tune in for that, right? It's 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 the love of the game, it's the the sport itself. It's not for any type of political message or agenda or anything else that's going on. And that's not to say that the athletes don't have a voice, because they do. And they, they have a voice because they're, they're human beings, right? And they, they have opinions and, you know, they have their own views on what, you know, what's going on, what's going on in the world. But, you know, for me, when I tune into sports, I tune in because I want to watch the sport itself, right? I want to be on the edge of my seat when my team is down by one and there's a runner on third and, the guy two outs in the, the bottom of the ninth. Two outs, bottom of the ninth, runner on third, full count, and full I'm on count. the edge of my seat, right? And just you're just waiting on something to happen. And I've 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 seen so many of those moments over the years. And you're not even on the field, but your your heart is racing, you know, your adrenaline's pumping, and you know, you're either gonna be in, in the next few moments just filled with joy. Or you're going to be mad or mad and heartbroken. heartbroken. And, and, you know, as a Georgia fan, and I know David as a Tennessee fan, we have both been on that end where we, we either have our hands raised in victory or we're doing the double Cobra, right? Both hands yes. behind our head. <laughs> been doing a lot of double like, what, what just happened? Yeah, you have. Yeah. Uh, there was a Georgia Tennessee game a couple of years back where we were both doing hands over the head and, uh, and the double cobra. That was the uh was <laughs> yeah, it, um, the Dobbs, the Dobnell. Yeah. yeah. That was a that game hurt. That's too soon. That game hurt. <laughs> but yeah, I just That's about I the only bright spot I've had in ten years, Robert. Come on. 
<laughs> I, I know, and it was a it was a good bright one for you. It was, it was. I know, man. It's it's tough. I, I get so frustrated with just watching how people are manipulating. Uh, I think I think it's just a manipulation of companies and organizations. It, it's all manipulation. I really believe that, and I think that they just allow themselves to be in that position to to do that. They think they're making a stand and, and doing that, but you're really you got to take it into into account. If you take that stand, think of the people that you're going to hurt. Right. You're you're going to hurt people. So now you've got people who who might feel doubly hurt. They might feel that they're hurt because of the legislation that was passed, and now they feel doubly hurt that Major League Baseball said, "You know, forget it. We're not going to we're not going to do our All Star game." Listen, I don't watch the All Star game anyway. But maybe the home run derby. I watch the home run derby. Yeah, I like that. I do. I do like that. But I, I, I just think it was it was a cheap shot to it, the city of Atlanta. I do. I really think it was a cheap shot to the city of Atlanta. It was for the people who depended on it. And I know there's a, I know Ted Cruz and a couple other senators are going after MLB uh, and suing them for antitrust uh, antitrust laws. Wow. Um, and 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 I hope they win. You know, I, I really hope they win because that's. That's a big deal. Uh, and I looked it up because I was like, yeah, that sounds great. But I didn't know what it meant. So antitrust laws are statutes developed by governments to protect consumers from predatory business practices and ensure fair competition. Antitrust laws are applied to a wide range of questionable business activities, including market allocation, bid rigging, price fixing and monopolies. Mm. And I, I think they may have they may have a case on that. You know, especially with the uh, predatory practices, because you're you're completely taking all of that out of the market. Well, yeah, and Mark, you you mentioned market allocation. You know, they decide where these games are being held, and they do it on a you know fair basis of picking different places. Mm -hmm. And to take this away, and who knows when they'll get another chance to host one. And that Mm. city was that's the stadium that it's in. Uh, the new stadium that it was in was built with a lot of taxpayer dollars mm-hmm. and, you know, built with the all-star game in mind. Yes. Right? That was, that was part of the selling point that once we get this here, we have a venue for the all-star game. And when they, when they build new stadiums like this, and I, I know, you know, living in Nashville, they were trying to find a, uh, when, so Nashville was trying to get a major league soccer team to come in uh, and build a build a brand new stadium there. They were trying to get the uh, the NFL All Star Game there, and I believe Nashville and, and David, you'll probably agree. Uh, I believe Nashville would be a great city for Major League Baseball to come into. I think it would have a huge following. So one of the things that they did uh, to sell it, and it still hasn't been sold in. But if you know anything about Nashville, and if you follow the the Predators when they made their run a couple years ago for the Stanley cup, uh, that city went absolutely nuts for the predators. Yeah. Brian's a big predators fan too. So they went nuts for the predators. I mean, there were, you know, views of downtown Nashville where you could not walk through the streets. There were literally like a hundred thousand people in downtown Nashville outside of uh, Bridgestone arena watching the game on big screen TVs, watching the game in the bars down there, just going absolute nuts. And that was a huge hit for Nashville. But Mm -hmm. part of trying to get 
a major league soccer stadium in or a major league baseball team in because they would have to, there's, there's not a stadium right now that could handle a major league baseball team or a major league soccer team. So, you know, they can't, they can't just come in or let me rephrase that. It's not that they can't. Most teams that would want to move to a city, the owner's not just going to fork over, you know, several millions of dollars, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to build a new structure. So the majority of that is done with tax dollars, right? And usually the city votes on it or whatever, and it's a local tax, whatever it might be, you know, for the funding of that. Usually it's on hotel tax and stuff of that nature because they're going to get, you know, a big profit from the, uh, they're going to be big um, beneficiaries of the the new stadiums and stuff coming in because the teams are going to bring in people to watch. So, you know, cities use that. And that was part of what, part of what Atlanta used to get that new stadium built. I haven't been to a game. You've been to a new game there. to a game of the new stadium, right, David? Yes. Yes, he was. I was with him. <laughs> <laughs> so the, so the traffic coming in and out of there, I'm, I'm assuming I haven't been to a game in that stadium yet, but the traffic coming in and out of there is much better than what it was in downtown Atlanta. And I've, I've been to several games there and it, it can be, it can be murderous to get out of Atlanta. Much better by a long shot. Plus it's on yeah. the north side of Atlanta, so it's much right. better. It's on, right. And especially if you're, you know, going back to Tennessee, um, it's much easier coming out of there because you don't have to go back through Atlanta. But you know, the point behind it is simply that a lot of tax dollars were used to to build that stadium. You know, so those people in Atlanta who paid those taxes, you know, they also got cheated by not getting that game, you know, by having that game snatched away from them, you know, because that was that was a big, big hit to their industry. And, and again, it hurt the city much more than, than what it benefited Major League Baseball and the people around there in those areas. So it's just well, yeah, it's, it's let's just about this. <clears throat> let's think about this. A few years back, Nashville hosted the NFL draft. Yes. Absolutely phenomenal. Colin, you were down there. I was. It was fantastic. And, and okay, so let's, let's look at it this way. Tennessee and Georgia, very similar in a lot of their – in a lot of their thinking and a lot of their politics for the, the two states and your, you know, your larger cities, you're going to have mostly Democrats and, and your um, rural areas are going to be mostly Republican. They're very similar. Now, the amount of people and how successful the NFL draft was in Nashville, they, they could not stop gushing about it. The NFL gushed about it. The people who were there gushed about it. Everybody just was so overwhelmed with just how great it went off. The city of Nashville. Nashville looked fantastic. Yes. Well, let's just say that that same thing happened now, and the NFL tried to pull out of doing that. They'd be shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> It'd be stupid on their part because of right. just how great that went off. I just that's where I think Major League Baseball is screwing up. Is you are shooting yourself in the foot. We've said that before, and I'm all right. I said I'm stopped talking about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, we can please move on. somebody please <laughs> bring up another subject. Well, uh, Colin, didn't you say something about a shoe? Yeah, I was. So I don't know how much of this you know. And in fact, I'm not at all an expert on Little Nas X or his so-called Satan shoe. Basically, he got a company to buy a bunch of Nike shoes, and they painted them 
and added a drop of human blood to each pair of shoes and put, you know, satanic imagery on it. And I think uh, a Bible verse from Luke is written on it. Yeah. It's, and they were selling them. And of course, people freaked out as, as they do. Uh, Nike has sued the company um, basically because they were not involved in this and they were kind of hinting that they were. And that's... Right, what's got the Nike logo on it? Yeah, it's, it is a Nike shoe. Just And that's, I guess that's a thing that shoe people do. They buy these shoes and they repaint them and re-release them on their own. But it was hinted that Nike was involved. And they were not. Yeah, so I looked it up. Nike sued them, and Nike actually won. Uh, they they won the lawsuit against them, which is good. So the shoe itself, I'm sitting here looking at it. I wanted to look up the verse um, that's on it. You know, just for uh, Derek Miner, who is a he's a Christian rapper. And he's let me rephrase that. He's a rapper who happens to be Christian, uh, and his, I, I love his music. And I know that probably doesn't sound right coming from me, but I love his music. The guy's awesome. Uh, his Instagram, he came out and he said, we're going to come up with a Christian Nike that's going to have uh, a drop of Chick-fil-A sauce in each shoe, which I thought was hilarious because, you know, that's, that's Chick-fil-A is Christian chicken. I've seen it. It's got John 316 on it. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, Luke 10, 18 is the verse that's on the little Nas X shoe. And it says, he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So why he chose that verse, other than the fact that it mentions Satan, you know, I don't, I don't know, and I don't, I don't want to try and guess at anybody's motives. But I mean, if you if you pull up the images of it, just Google it. There's shoes out there for close to a thousand dollars, seven hundred dollars, seven fifty, six hundred dollars a pair. You know, free shipping, <laughs> uh, all over Etsy, eBay, you know, stuff of that nature. Here's a pair. It says grailed. I don't know what that means. Uh, for a shoe, $25,000. So, what, I mean, what was what was the purpose of him doing this, Colin? Do you know? I think it's just a big marketing ploy. He's get, he's gathering a bunch of attention. It's, it's no different than, uh, you know, Kiss did back in the day. You know, they, they put their own blood in the comic book back in, what, 77? <laughs> I wasn't aware of that. Doesn't surprise me, but I wasn't aware of it. But it's it's all, you know, music has had a history of pushing buttons and shock value. And as at first I got outraged at this and then I realized I was being an old white man. And (laughs) I'm like, you know what? Let them let them. It's the same stuff. I listened to Motley Crue when I was younger. You know, and mm-hmm. they all had pentagrams and six 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 everywhere, and I constantly shouted at the devil back then. <laughs> <laughs> they they have said that they were shouting at the devil, not with the devil, not hanging out with the devil. But yeah, they they used that imagery. Ozzy Osbourne made a career out of it. <laughs> yes, he did. I don't know that he was uh, cognizant most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And, and I still don't know that he is. He's one of those that no matter what he says, you need subtitles. But, um, you know, it's that's that's been the history of music. And I, I was trying to look for the quote. Um, he 
little Nas X basically came out and said, you know, people are going to hate like the religious community made him feel awful for being gay his whole life. So if he makes them feel awful, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I kind of was like, okay, you know, I'd, <laughs> I can't fault him for doing anything that I haven't faulted, you know, for that I didn't fault other artists for basically doing the same thing. I can't say that I've, I won't say that I've faulted. You dropped the cheesecake again, Robert? No, it wasn't cheesecake this time. (laughs) No, there would have been, there would have been more tears if I had dropped cheesecake again. Um, No, that that was just, uh, just my, my phone, my fact checker. So I can't say that I, that I, that I fault him, but I I would warn him, you know, from, from our worldview, right. From, from the worldview that we look at, you know, coming from the lens of the Bible, I would certainly warn him. He, he may not realize the forces that he's playing with, and and maybe he does. Understood. Yeah, I, you know, maybe he does. And and you know, some of those same some of those same people, you know, coming up, uh, you know, the only one that I can think of that maybe had a change of heart or actually did have a change of heart would be Alice Cooper, uh, and he still, you know, he still does his his whole stage persona uh, when he goes out and, and still tours, but for him, that is simply an act. But if you were to talk to him, he would give you his testimony as a, you know, Christ believing Christian. But, it, it, you know, my concern with it is you get like he said, you get you you start to lead people down a slope. Right. And he, he's mad at the religious community for making him feel bad about being gay. You know, I get that. There's 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 a lot of people who have said a lot of bad things over the years that have alienated people from the church and alienated people from Christianity, Christianity or religion in general. You know, but you got to realize when you're doing stuff like that, you're really literally, you know, playing with fire. And that's that that that's what I would warn him with. We don't I don't think people understand or, or not that they don't understand. They don't recognize the supernatural world. And and I, I believe it's there. Right. The Bible even speaks about it, talks about angels and demons. So, I mean, I, I completely believe in that. And I don't I don't think people I don't think he understands the depth of what he's playing with. But from his point of view, I don't think he cares. Oh, there's no doubt. He, and, he, and he doesn't care about my opinion or neither. I know that for a fact. I just thought it was interesting just that people went all, all up in arms about it. And Well, from a marketing standpoint, it was brilliant, right? Yeah. He got, he got himself another number one song. He's got four white guys who never listened to his music talking about it. <laughs> So, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, who is he? How, how could you not? How could you not have listened to Old Town Road, though? I, I, that, that was an I, earworm I, song. I throw up in my mouth uh, just the baseline for it. So, yeah, uh, I, no. <laughs> I just think about a mullet. The main guitar rift is stolen from Nine Inch Nails. It's awesome. I love it. It gave Trent Reznor his first Grammy in country music. <laughs> Not know that it was stolen from his nail. Well, not really. It was <clears throat> sampled. It was sampled, sampled off of. Right. And if you listen to that guitar, you, it's unmistakably Nine Inch Nails. Mm. Oh, that's where your music history comes into comes into help because I, I wouldn't have. I, I may have, if I took the time to listen to the song, may have picked up on it. But uh, I wasn't a big Nine Inch Nails. Not that I wasn't a Nine Inch Nails fan. I just didn't listen to a lot of their music. But 
I may not have picked up on it, but I just, I can't give that song the time of day. I just, I just can't. And that's another group, Nine Inch Nails. I was, I was a big fan. They, he's had some pretty damning lyrics. Oh, without a doubt. There's one that's stuck in my head right now because it's the only song I know and I will not repeat it. So. Oh, oh, I, that's, that's, that's child's play to some of the blasphemous stuff that he has recorded hearsay for one as you know he basically says christianity is made up and failed for simple people he's not the first to say that no no he's not won't be the last right all right brian what's on your mind we've all ranted right (laughs) i know i'm quiet mouse tonight i'm i'm sorry no don't be we're sorry we're sorry to our listeners it's like but there's so much stuff going on out there. I'm hoping that maybe you can just give us something that's positive. I don't know. I'm something. really trying to put pressure on you, Brian. Need something positive, man. Come on. Something positive. <laughs> hmm. Can't we have a story about puppies? Puppies <laughs> are always awesome. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I, was I, over even... here, I was over here thinking about Johnny Cash doing the, the Hurt song by Nine Inch Nails. Right. Yes. <laughs> I like that song. Yeah. I, I like that version of it. I do too. Uh, what else? Well, I don't have any stories about like firefighters rescuing puppies, so which would you know would always be nice positive stories. But we did have uh, this past weekend uh, was a huge weekend for uh, for the Christian faith. This Easter, this past weekend was Easter, and for a lot of churches across the nation, uh, it was a huge celebration because. This was, uh, for a lot of churches, the first time they had gathered in person in quite some time. I know there were several churches. Uh, there's a church in North Carolina called Transform- Transformation Church uh, that I follow their pastor online, Derwin Gray. I follow him online. And this was Easter Sunday was their first meeting coming back in person. So not only were they celebrating Easter and you know the, the death, burial, and resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ, but it was made even more special by being able to come back in person and gather, you know, since last year, because last year we're all gearing up for Easter. You know, most churches have huge ceremonies. Uh, You know, Sunday is a huge day. They have good Friday services. Uh, You know, they have Easter egg hunts. They have all this different community activity that they do for Easter Sunday. And quite honestly, it's one of the two days of the year that people who don't normally come to church will come to church, Christmas and Easter, right? I like to call them Christers. You know, it's, it's the only two times of the, of the year that, that they'll come. So there's a there's a big deal made about it. And last year, everybody's gearing up for it. COVID hits and it shuts everything down. And we go to online services. I know our church, uh, the church we went to when we were in Columbus, when we lived there, they they would rent out for the last few years. They would rent out the civic center rather than have multiple services because the the building just couldn't handle it. They would rent out the local civic center and have you know between ten and fifteen thousand people for that one service and just a huge production. You know, making much of Jesus on that day, and then had to ultimately scramble and shut down a lot of stuff. You know, call off a lot of commitments. So this this past Sunday was. It was a huge celebration for a lot of reasons. You know, ultimately the main reason was, you know, the resurrection of Christ, which is the center of our faith. 
Um, you know, you can believe in a lot of religious people. They all died. We happen to believe in the one that died and came back. He's the only one that's ever done it. And as Andy Stanley says, you know, he died and came back. So I'm going to put my faith in him, right? <laughs> you know, he, he's done what, what nobody else in history did. And of course, there's a lot of other things that are special about that to, to us in the Christian faith. But so it's a huge weekend. I'd be interested to hear. I know what Brian did because he and I were at the same the same place, uh, you know, <laughs> setting up and, and setting up and tearing down, getting ready for hours. I'd be interested, David, to see or to hear what um, what you guys did for this past Sunday. I went to church. I I went to church for the first time in over a year. Oh, right. wow. That's awesome. It's, yeah. Um, my wife and I got vaccinated two weeks ago. So uh, we were fully vaccinated. And yeah, we went to church and it was wonderful and saw worship music live in person. Right. <laughs> and that was that was the thing. I've really been missing live music mm-hmm. of any kind. Now, did your church do anything? I mean, I know it's Easter, but did they, did they put on any kind of special production for Easter or was it? No, it was a pretty, it was pretty much a, well, from what I think is normal service. <laughs> we, during the whole pandemic, we actually changed churches. So we've never been to this church. This was first time live for this church then? Yes. For you. Nice. Yes. But we've been, you know, we've been watching online for the past year. And so, I mean, it was very comparable to their online services, which are just a taped pre-production. So the sermon was still on a monitor, but it was good. The worship was in person and great. And that's <laughs> that's hard to replace. Watching online, watching online, man, that is just, I kind of got tired of watching worship, worship music online. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I don't know. We watched... We actually watched three different worships on Sunday. Um, just watching TV in the morning, they were broadcasting some church from Franklin, and that was that was interesting to say the least. And then uh, I watched the uh, church my brother goes to in uh, Michigan. Just caught their stuff, and I'm glad I did because my brother did a reading at the beginning of it. Nice. And then my sister-in-law was singing. So well, that's good. I was like, oh, I'm glad we watched. This is yeah. He was like, thanks great. for the heads up, bro. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, did he tell you? No, because I, they're both on rotation. Oh, okay. So, you know, if they told us every time they were singing, we'd be watching every other week. <laughs> we'd be watching so, <laughs> and we don't always have time to watch, you know, two church services. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the beauties, actually, of the the online service mm-hmm. because you can connect from so far away. And I, and I don't know, a lot of churches took advantage of that. The, the ones that, um, the ones that adjusted properly took advantage of that and used, used the, the downtime, so to speak, to enhance their, they may have had an online presence before, uh, but they went in and enhanced their online presence and are now reaching you know, many more states, you know, more countries even because they didn't just, they didn't just shut down and we're just, we're just <laughs> going to put this out here and, you know, and do whatever they, you know, they, 
they reached out and, and tried to, you know, enlarge their platform, which was a good thing. And of course, now that they're back, you know, it's they're, they still have uh, a sort of online community, you know, for those people who may not have a church to go to in their area. And I'm, I'm still of the opinion, you know, the online is, is great, you know, for those who, if, you know, if you can't get out, you're sick, you're shut in, whatever it might be, but there's just something about being part of a local church being part of a, a community, a body of believers that that know each other, you know, that do life together, that do more than just, you know, come in on Sunday, sit down in a pew and leave, but they know the people beside them. And like you said, there's just, there is just, I don't think it's, it is very hard to replace live worship music. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about that a little bit because you know, we went to church this, this Sunday, but we went to a church that we've only attended about, I think five times. And good thing for us was all four of us were together, my family and my daughter. She She's an adult. She kind of does her own thing. She goes to other churches. And, you know, with the pandemic, she's actually gone to more church services than we have simply because she's younger and she feels more invincible than we do. Mm-hmm. And not that she was, is, is invincible, but younger crowd. I mean, they just they, they went more than we did. Uh, so yeah, it was it was good to have all f- all four of us in in one service, so that was nice. But you know, thinking about what what it means, it's the churches that reopened and people who got to go back. I mean, I think of I think of Colin and his wife, and it it's got to be special. I mean, not just was it Easter; it was the first time coming back in over a year, mm-hmm. and just thinking about how great it has to be. To be in there, even if you're not, even if you don't know everybody there, if you don't know anybody there, right. it's still great because it is so hard to worship in your living room. I, I didn't sing one time in my living room, nope. <laughs> except nope. in my mind. <laughs> uh, Cindy might be grateful, but a lot of people are grateful that I didn't. You know, <laughs> nah. Neighbors would be like, "Oh my gosh, what's going on over there?" But. Right. Uh, yeah, I didn't know they got a cat. Yeah. <laughs> and what are they doing skinning that cat? What are they what are they good grief? What's going on? But gosh, it's it's um you know, for you guys being out there planning a church and then boom, here's COVID. Right. Here we go. And you guys can't meet and all the difference in the world and how that is. And especially for you guys being in California, there were so many higher restrictions for you guys than it was for a lot of parts of the country. But right. now we're starting to get back to a little bit of normalcy in, in parts of the country. Mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if if people get comfortable with the uncomfortable because there's there's a lot of folks who are are upset that churches are fully open and they're they're doing their thing. And I'm like, why? Why? Right. I mean this is a good thing. I really wish we could come together in unity to promote the good things in life that are happening. You know, Easter service, churches reopening, businesses reopening, families being able to see each other. I mean, no matter what you think of the vaccination, if you are an anti-vaxxer or if you're a vaxxer, I mean, you got to look at it and look at the numbers in decline and, and think, okay, this is good. We're in the moving in the right direction. You know, I, I, I watched a, a video just the other day of a relative who got to see their grandparents for the first time in over a year mm-hmm. and how ecstatic she was. 
And I thought, you know, this is this is amazing. And the reason they felt comfortable doing it is because they were both vaccinated. Hmm. I'm not vaccinated. I had COVID. I don't know what I'm going to do when my antibodies run out. I'm probably just going to keep testing and see how far they go. And I don't know what I'll do at that point. I'm not made of my mind. I'm not a, I've never taken a flu shot. So I, I don't, I don't know what I'll do. Um, plus I've had COVID and, and it wasn't, it didn't affect me very badly. It affects other right. people very badly. And people right. have even lost their lives with it. Yep. So I'm not going to say that it's not a bad, a bad thing. Cause it certainly could have been. And when you first get it, all those things go through your mind of, oh my gosh, okay, how's it going to affect me? What am I going to be doing? How, is, you know, how, how am I going to react to this? And then, on, you know, everything's 2020 on the backside, right? So mm. 2020 on the backside wasn't that bad. The first day I said, oh, well, I got it. It's like, okay, let's see how I'm going to handle it. Right. Because I've had friends of mine the same age as me, probably the same build as me, a lot of the same things as me, who didn't handle it very well wind up in the hospital and suffered for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Then I've had people handle it better than I did. And so I, I just wish we could all get on the same page and, and get on the same page with the science, get on the same page with the unity of let's fight this together as a country and let's not continue to radicalize every word that everybody says and let's be positive about it. We're moving in the right direction. I think you're, Better off asking for a unicorn. Well, I would like <laughs> one that has rainbows coming out of the tree. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Colin on that one. The the state that we're in right now, people in general, the reason people are upset of churches opening is because they believe totally that we should all stay in our houses until everybody's vaccinated. Then they like, should be wanting a unicorn because that's not going to happen but either. Three times over. Right. I, I mean, they're already saying the vaccines probably are only good for a few months. <laughs> Again, buy I, a unicorn. <laughs> I, I, I think you lost, and I won't say lost hope on that, but the, you know, wanting to come together in a, in a unity, common unity, which is community, on the, the facts, the science. Uh, how deadly it is, how bad it is. Um, we lost the opportunity for that because of the way it was handled last year by the politicians, by the media. It was absolutely, and not to say that it's not deadly. I know people who have lost their lives. I've known people who have fought it, uh, you know, like yourself, uh, you know, uh, people who seemed healthy when they had it. And, you know, either lost their lives or, 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 you know, had a very bad experience. And then, uh, you know, we have a gentleman in our church that uh, by all, by all rights, uh, he's, he's in the at-risk age group. He has cancer, he's fighting that and he got COVID, but he got over COVID. There was no reason, you know, listening to the media and everything else, there's no reason that he should have ever lived from COVID, but he did. He's still around, you know, he doesn't have COVID anymore. But I, I think we lost the opportunity to fight this with unity because of the way it was handled last year. Last year being an election year, being what it was, being who was in charge, you know, such a polarizing figure in Trump, um, you know, in his relationship with the media for four years leading up to that moment. We, we lost that opportunity last year and 
It has been monopolized by fear, monopolized by misinformation, by contradicting information. And I'm not one to say that it's not dangerous because it is dangerous. But at the same time, the the numbers that are put out there to scare people, when you actually put them into perspective, are nowhere near what they seem. No, I guess if I guess and I know that I'm some people call me a dreamer. No, (laughs) but I guess if I can say it this way, maybe we could just do away with the terms of uh, maybe I could just get get off of social media would be (laughs) probably the best thing for my psyche, uh, my mental health for sure. But I, I think if we could just get rid of the words you're part of the problem or this is part of the problem. I see so many people say that to other people when I, and as soon as you say that to, to anybody, not me, not anybody else, I think to myself, you are the problem (laughs) because you are spitting that rhetoric. Stop it. Talk sensibly to people. Quit saying you're the problem or so many other people are the problem or this is the problem. Stop it. Let's say, how can we come up with a solution? We're not going to get everybody wearing a mask. Forget about it. Buy a unicorn. We're not going to get people to quit arguing about it. Forget about it. Buy a unicorn. We're not going to get the politicians to agree on anything, anything. Buy a unicorn. That's a rainbow unicorn on that one. Yeah. Well, sure, you can get them to agree. You just got to tell the Republicans that the Democrats are against it and tell the Democrats that the Republicans are against it and they'll all vote for the same thing. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. How are we going to get the media to agree to that? <laughs> because they want us divided. That's right. <laughs> well, there you go. You tell pull the plug on the media. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing with Fox and CNN. Just, you just play them against each other and, and, and let them go. Right. And before oh. you know it, they're agreeing and they don't even realize it. But, you know, David, I think a lot of it, you know, coming back to the Easter point, Right. We are as a as a country, I won't speak for the world, you know, but, you know, just for for our country, we are we have a ton of people who are looking for answers. Looking for something right, looking for hope in a sense, and some unfortunately, a ton of people are looking for that in politicians. They're looking for it in social media. They're looking for affirmation in social media. Robert, would you say they're looking for love in all the wrong places? Absolutely looking for love in all the wrong places. And Mm -hmm. the one place that offers an answer is Christ. And that's, that's what this past weekend was about, right? That's, that's what Easter Mm -hmm. is about. That is the center point of our faith right when we want to look for redemption we look to the cross and what was done on the cross when we want to look for uh, the hope of a promise kept we look to the empty tomb because the empty tomb tells us as he said over and over i'm going to destroy this temple and in three days i'll rebuild it he wasn't talking about the literal temple he was talking about his body and what he was going to do and of, the, of all the promises that he's made to us in scripture, and there are numerous ones in scripture that he's made, we have the hope and we can hold on to that hope because we can point back to the cross and the empty tomb. And that's what 
as a Christian, that's what we point back to. And it's, it's what breaks my heart because we see so many people arguing, arguing over uh, trying to find hope and putting faith and confidence in things that are temporal or, or temporary. And they're, they're just not going to last. And that's the, that's, that's the sad part of this weekend, but that's also what one thing that I really hope comes out of COVID, as you mentioned, the families coming together again and being so happy to see each other. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I really hope comes out of COVID as a positive is a sense of urgency to love one another and realize that you are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not guaranteed more time. And when we understand that, then it's easier to squash the squabbling and do as we're commanded to love others as we love ourselves. There we go. I, I think that's the biggest thing that I hope comes out of COVID is, is just that sense of urgency to understand t- tomorrow is not promised to anybody. So we should really love those that are near us and, and make our best effort to love those that we don't know uh, and get to know them better. All right. I heard, I heard Netflix removed all their Christian programming. That's not true. It's not true. No. Okay. It's not true. Uh, And I know that for a fact because I watch uh, the gospels, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They have those because I'll put them on sometimes at night. uh, And it's, it's a a reenactment. It's, it's the, it's, it's word by word is they don't take liberties on it. It's word by word from the Bible. Uh, and then and then they're acting it out, and it's very well done actually. But I know that's on there. I just watched. No, I watched that on. I watched the Passion uh, this past weekend and Risen, uh, which is a it, you know it's the movie that takes place after the resurrection. And neither one of those were on Netflix, but I know they haven't removed their Christian programming. I, I know that for a fact because I've I've watched it. So, oh, my my, wouldn't surprise <clears throat> me. But it was actually my brother. Actually, my. Uh... The nephew who said, No more Netflix for us. I went, What? But interesting. No, I just pulled it up. There's still a lot of stuff on there. All right. Yeah. Good good to know. Ten commandment. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. By the way, who watched it? I didn't. Let know. it be written. Let it be done. No, I did not. Nobody watched it. We gotta watch no. it every year. Oh, the Ten Commandments? Gotta oh, watch it. Oh, that? You gotta watch Saturday. Charlton Heston. Oh yes. Every Saturday before Easter. You only catch parts of it because it's like six hours. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that was that was one my boss told me I had to watch. We we did watch it uh, within the last year. The Charlton Heston Ten Commandments. Yeah. Wait, you mean I like recommend it or in this is required watching? Um, he just said I had to see it. <laughs> oh, you gotta see this. It's okay. It, it is what it is. It's <laughs> well, let's let's end on a good note. Maybe it's a good note. I don't know. Let's talk about one more thing. Brian, I know you're a big Avengers fan. Okay. So, uh, did you watch WandaVision? No, I have not seen that. I I uh, heard some people talking about it, but I didn't hear that great reviews about it. It was awesome. <laughs> have you started watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Falcon better. and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I have started watching that. You have, Robert? Yeah. Yeah. We watched the first two episodes of... Uh, Night before last, I think. Yeah, whenever it was. All right, Brian, that's that's recommended. Okay, (laughs) tell me what is it again? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. Okay. Let me let me let me say it without a Southern accent. Can you? 
He's pointing at thought, the Yankee as a yeah, yeah, I was going to say, is he going to have Colin see it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is fantastic. Um, I really can't wait to see where they go over the rest of it. The whole... I don't know some of the the way they've touched on race and yeah, and this they've done very good so yeah, far. Yeah, it's it's okay. A, and do watch One Division. Get through the first three episodes. I promise it gets better. Okay. After, after you get through the first three episodes, I know the first three episodes. I kept telling my son this: get through the first three episodes. If you're a fan of old TV shows, the first three episodes are, are fantastic. Great. Yeah, but if you're uh, not, okay. which my son's not, but, right? I'm right. I'm, he wasn't. He's like, Dad. Is this all it's going to be? I'm like, no, dude, I promise. Just nah. first three episodes. You so got to watch first three episodes to make sense of it. I, I, love- I cheated on WandaVision. I, I watched uh, basically the Cliff Notes because on Disney Plus they have, and I thought they were going to go through the whole like Avenger thing, how they built each character, but it was uh, how they built WandaVision. And I turned it on, and Angela said, "So you're you're gonna watch this, and you haven't watched the show?" And I'm like, "They're just setting up the characters." And of course, they went through Cliff Note version, beginning to end, what Wandavision was. And uh, I was like, "Well, yeah, that seemed interesting. I probably would have <laughs> rather watched that as opposed to watching all the episodes." But uh, I was the same way with studying too. So if you I'd like, rather- if you like, I love Lucy. If you like, uh, uh, well, Dick Van Dyke show, Dick Van Dyke show, right. Bewitched, Bewitched. Right. If you like yeah. those shows. You like yeah. one division, but, but right. yeah, the the set designs were Superb. so closely mirrored these old shows that. Well, they talked about that in the setup. They actually went back to some of the people who were uh, either had something to do with the set design or people who just like religiously studied those set designs and went back and used tried to use period cameras, period lighting, period makeup all that to make it yeah. seem like it was 50s, 60s, 70s coming up. That was awesome. And, and you know, special, from, from, a lot of right. the special effects were done. Yes. With old hmm. technology. Yes. You know, using strings and wires to hang stuff. And yeah. all right. One more, Brian. Loki. Okay. Loki. Loki. Is com- coming in June. Really? Yes. Loki has his own series. I guess we're writing these down. And guess who is in this? You know, Tom Hiddleston plays Loki. Owen Wilson is in this. That doesn't really? surprise me. Yes, Owen Wilson's in it. Wow. Yeah. I'm, wow. <laughs> yeah, I I have been loving uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah, I have too. I really liked it. All right, last one. Now, this is not Avengers. Have any of you watched the Zack Snyder's version of Justice League? Yes. No, I have not. I've been told. I like watched it the weekend it came long. out. <laughs> All four hours of it. It is four hours long. So have you watched? Mm. Have you watched Justice League the movie? It's been out for a few yes. years. Yes. All right. So this is Zack Snyder's version of it. This is like whatever was director's cut. He just put it back in. Well, <laughs> it's a convoluted story. Basically, Zack Snyder was originally the director. He had a family emergency and had to leave. They brought in Joss Whedon, who's now found himself in his own bucket of hot water. He may never direct in Hollywood again. Really? Yeah, he's, he might be done. Because basically he has a temper, which I, um, I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, don't, you, don't you expect that from these yeah. weird Hollywood quirky types? Yeah. 
Anyway, so the movie came out and Zack Snyder basically came out and said, yeah, this is crap. This is not what I was going to do. And so fans went nuts and we want the Zack Snyder cut. We want the Zack Snyder cut. And they got enough pressure that they brought him in and let him recut the movie Hmm. and even reshot a few scenes. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. It's very good. I like, I like this cut better. Yeah. Hmm. His, it, it looked better. The story made more sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was much better. I watched all four hours of it and I'm I'm not a big DC guy. You know how many days it would take me to watch four hours? Well, it took me, it took, I didn't sit down and get watch all of it at once. I, I, I didn't, but, it was worth it was worth it. Um, just I'm not a big DC fan as far as the movies go. I love the DC characters. The Avengers movies have just annihilated DC right with, yeah. with Marvel. But the thing I, the thing I love and if it's gonna be I mean you've, you've seen Justice League. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who hadn't seen Justice League at all, I'm sorry you're gonna, this is gonna be spoiled. The thing I love the most about the movie is they set Superman in his rightful place. I hated when they did Batman versus Superman and what happened mm-hmm. to Superman. I almost said I'm never watching DC again. And then Justice League set Superman in his rightful place, in my opinion. Well, in your opinion, what what is that? I'm, I'm curious. There's no other superhero that even comes close to Superman. None. Zero. Superman does everything. I know I'm nerding out here, but <laughs> there is no other superhero in all of comics, in my opinion, that can do everything that Superman can. However, Batman versus Superman is comic book accurate. I know. It follows the Dark Knight comic book. But I hate very it. closely. <laughs> but I hate it because there's Superman is the top of the superhero food chain. Yeah. I'm I have not been a fan really of any of the any of these movies. I don't like the tone. I don't, I don't think comic book movies. No, I take that back because some comic book movies should be gritty and dark blade first, right? Blade first black superhero movie. It was, it was blade. I got, I got triggered when I heard, um, what was it? I think it was maybe the Grammys or something where they're like black Panther, the first black superheroes blade. 12 years ago, Blade. Uh-huh. Actually, I think it was 20 years ago. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> that whole trilogy. Yeah, he, 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 did. he had three movies before there was ever a successful comic book movie. Well, other than Superman. And well, Blade, Blade's Batman more of an yeah, the original. Though, yeah, right? the original. <clears throat> Blade is kind of the anti-hero, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's a, he's a, he's a dark hero. Yes. Kind of like Deadpool. Deadpool's, a, Deadpool's an anti-hero. Hmm. Yes. Yes. You, you want him to be a good guy. He's got a, oh. got a great sense of humor. Pretty vulgar, um, but he's an anti-hero. He, he's not a. It's like Jessica you know, Jones. Jessica Jones is an anti-hero. I'm almost. I'm almost sad that they're redoing Blade. Because that those Blade movies were so good. They were with Chris Christopherson and and, and the third one got a little weird, which they brought Ryan Reynolds in it. Brian Reynolds was doing superhero movies 20 years ago. No oh, yeah. way. I mean, think about that. Yeah, he's he's in the third movie. Yep. And so is uh, Triple H. 
Oh, they, they, they had a it's whole been a while of, since I watched that. Yeah. <laughs> I have them all on DVD. If you have a working DVD. Uh, well, I do have a working DVD. How about that? So anyway, Brian, watch this. Mm. Robert, Brian, watch the Snyder cut. Okay. It's worth it. Yeah. We, we just went off on a comic book. We did. Note. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to end on something. That's, that's a dangerous subject. I wanted to end on something a little more positive than what we've been talking about. Cause I just, I, I'm, since I opened my mouth about MLB, I felt like, man, I'm just doom and gloom. <laughs> so, you know, and the thing with comic books too, and, um, and, and so I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a comic book geek, right. I'm not a historian. I don't know the Batman canon and, and the Marvel canon and all that good stuff. But, but I do know that in, in just about every one of them, there's either a, uh, there's either religious undertones or, social undertones when uh when you look at when you look at superman superman was written by jewish writers it wasn't just you know you know your everyday guy these were these were jewish writers that came up with superman and many of the other uh superheroes and it came from it came out of their you know kind of mirrored their religious beliefs but also came out of their their oppression and what they were going through at the time uh you know being the early you know, early 1900s, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, and the stuff that they were having to deal with being, you know, Jewish immigrants coming in and, uh, and all the oppression. And that's where this blossomed, right? That's where all of it came out of was, and, and like so many other good stories and some of the best songs that you hear come out of dark times, out of, out of the valley, so to yeah. speak, you know, people writing from true experiences, which you go into that, you know, to Johnny Cash with, with Nine Inch Nails, his version of Hurt, is i mean it, it's it's dramatic man because of the life that he lived you you feel it in his voice when he does that you know and uh you know you, when he says i hurt myself today you know there's plenty of days in his life where he looked back and said yeah that day oh yeah. i hurt myself you know and I, and I hurt other people around me you know and he feels it but yeah on a you know on a positive note you know i'd, I'd like to hear you know kind of brian's wrap up on the weekend and you know things that are going on in the world from a from a positive note and see if he has see if you got any bows to put on it brian brian we oh keep my going gosh. to you we keep going oh to my you positivity man come on brother uh, <laughs> some positivity well you know the weekend i think robert hit hit the nail on the head when he talked about this you know the specialness of the weekend i mean that's awesome Collar was back in church first time in over a year and celebrating jesus overcoming death it doesn't get any better than that. I think we were going to end it right there with good positivity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, another thought I had earlier, you know, a tie-in with Robert was talking about, or y'all, you guys were talking about, you know, being in church on in person versus online. You know that that that's just like sports. I mean, compare compare watching sports on TV to being at the game. I mean, right. there's no there's no comparison to being there in that in that live action and being being there in the crowd and. And, and being, you know, being a part of it as opposed to just like watching it on TV. It's just, it's just Absolutely. a world, world of difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy on the final four last night, he was talking about how, you know, the crowd's not here, but the crowd doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're doing different shots over the years. Christian Leitner shot, uh, you know, when he hit that one at the end and, you know, a couple of Michael Jordan shots and, you know, different things with hockey and this, that, and the other. And he's like, you know, all these happened. And, you know, it's going to happen tonight. And, you know, and the crowd doesn't matter. And in my head, I'm thinking, Dude, you're so the crowd wrong. matters. Yeah. 
that shot, right? When Leitner hit that shot, they don't just say, well, that was a great shot. What do they say? And the crowd goes wild, right? And you hear that roar. And if you've ever done any kind of competition, it sucks when nobody's watching. Yeah, that's where all the energy is. Yeah. And I mean, just you watch the MMA fights right now. And, you know, I'm a big MMA fan. And there are some huge moments. Uh, just recently, when uh, Francis Ngannou knocked out Steve Miocic, there was nobody in the crowd other than the coaches. Had that been in an arena with 15,000, 20,000 people, that place on. would have erupted. And this guy's like, oh, but, but it doesn't matter. All they're going to talk about in 20 years is who won the game, and they're not going to worry about how many people were here. And I'm not, no, they're not. They're going to say, yeah, this was a year when nobody was there. <laughs> yeah. You know, there were no crowds involved and just imagine the atmosphere of that game last night with Baylor going on a you know 9-0 run 11-0 run and just taking off with it and then at the end of the first half when Gonzaga starts coming back and gets it within 10. Oh, that uh, being in person and I'll, I'll even tie it in with the bible verse and first uh or, or second John it's a very short letter and he says in it he's writing back to uh to a church and he says I have much to say but I do not want to use pen and ink. I'm coming to visit you so that we may talk in person and our joy can be complete. And I think that's what we're missing is that completeness of being together in community. And I'm so looking forward to that happening again. I think that's a great place for us to end right there. I agree. That's that's a good one. We do appreciate you listening. I'm sorry that if I got off on a rant that you didn't like, but hey, we're not going to like everything we hear. And I am happy if we got on a topic that you did like. And if you did like what you hear, please drop us a line on any of our social media at Lying Truth Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And if you really like the show and you like to support us, you can do that on buying me a coffee. You can find that in our show notes on each of our episodes. And you can also find that on our website under the support of the show. Signing off for all of us from the Lion Tree Podcast. Mm-hmm.